the dumbest Christmas presents ever. Sometimes you have to realize what an idiot you're capable of being in order to not be such an idiot ever again. This is what us idiots tell ourselves when we exercise our full idiot capabilities and things like trying to give our children, oh, say, their favorite NFL team's playoff berth for a neat little Christmas present. And I struggle with the word little in describing this present because, after all, this bout of idiocy cost me half a grand when all was said and done. And even more pathetically, it was never wrapped up under the Christmas tree for some happy, tear-streak, parent-love opening. It was a waffling decision made post-Christmas festivities, transacted digitally with nervous chatter about whether or not the right decision had been made. No bells were ringing. How much foolishness does it take to spend hundreds of dollars on NFL tickets for your seven-year-old son? Embarrassing amounts, I tell you. Even Santa, the king of dreams, knows better than that. But I have to admit, my thinking was clouded, not by punchy eggnog, just by some zealous football love my son had displayed for several years at that point, coupled with the fact that he had been chosen as the NFL Play 60 Kid of the Year for our franchise market region. Feeling bored with the third football field cake in a row for his fall birthday, and yes, probably jealous that his father took him to the Bears season opener as part of his NFL Play 60 winner prize pack, and got to go on the field with him watching the players warm up. I had to close up the season by taking him to the coldest game of the year to see, according to my plan, the Bears win over the Packers in order to advance to the wildcard playoff spot awaiting them, from which they'd win the Super Bowl, because how could they not? I remember my own best Christmas present, and I can tell you it wasn't an elaborate sports outing. It was an eraser. Well, two. One was orange and the other was purple, and they were big, fruit-scented, rectangular chunks that came in their own candy-themed plastic sheath. I had snuck under the tree and opened the corners of them well before Christmas morning, returning to them like an addict for as much of the fruity whiff as was possible from the wrapping I dared not open further. These were the smell of happiness. But later, there were significant Christmas disappointments, which included receiving an Atari game set from our aunt, playing one amazing hour of Pac-Man, going to get a glass of milk, and returning to find my dad packing up the game, shaking his head in sympathetic sorrow as he told me the connection was broken and we'd have to return it. But I was just playing. Maybe we can try to fix it. No, he said, shooking his head. I've tried everything. I believed him. I believed him. Just like even after my third grade Santa talks, I believe Santa could work magic in my life, as he most certainly would for my younger sisters. But Santa wasn't always the magic of fruity erasers. Once I got a massive box of miniature wood pieces with an enthralling picture on the packaging of how beautiful all that wood could look assembled into a Victorian dollhouse. And that's it. All it ever was. Dad has since made my daughters their own dollhouse in compensation for busy Santa's terrible construction completion. Then another time I asked for a leather biker jacket, you know, like the ones that litter any given TJ Maxx for 20 bucks a pop. And to my closet trespassing dismay, I realized Santa was going to bring me a dark green baggy pleather coat and call it a day. That time the trespassing was valuable to all. The tears were dried up by Christmas day. Apparently Santa didn't want their daughter wearing any cool biker fashion and just wanted her to go to the pool hall where she hung out every night looking dumpy.
But did I call Santa out on mistaken fashion choices? Nope. In light of the box of wood still sitting in the garage and the broken Atari still in the front hall closet, having something at all was preferable to the unknown of an exchange process. Also, I didn't know those jackets were so easy to come by. This really doesn't forgive my big post-Christmas present idiocy with my son, but perhaps explains a little about me and the crazy mind I operate from. I am totally ungrateful when it comes to boxes of wood pieces and green pleather jackets, but get me a fruity eraser and I'll be writing Santa thank yous in the off season. Not that Santa was involved in my NFL purchase. That was Vista. If you've read the epic baseball story, you know my son is rather intense. So we arrived for the game three hours early because he wanted to arrive five hours ahead. We parked in a garage a half hour walk away because it made sense to me and bundled up against the weather as best we could. We had a lot of layers of socks and long john underwear substitutes on, plus plenty of those pocket warmer packets on hand. Some even shoved into our shoes, which made the walk extra challenging. We marveled at the pillars of Soldier Field and found our way to our seats, which were covered in ice. You wanna go get some food? Pizza. While I wanted to stay out of the lakeshore element as long as possible, Mikey insisted on returning to our seats to eat the pizza. And there we began losing the battle against the cold as we sat on icy wet metal and ate what had quickly become cold pizza while snow fluttered down on our view of the field. Part of the reason I had shelled out so much money for these seats was because I was nervous about bringing my son alone to what would surely be an intense game and I thought I'd find class and decency in the modern expensive ticket section, the end zone. I didn't want Mikey to see a fight because I didn't want to see a fight. Our seats were at the last row of this section, butting up to the reserved wheelchair and handicapped area just above us. All the seats, including the section for disabled viewers behind us, filled up by the time the national anthem blared. Mikey was still little enough that he needed me to hold him to see the game everyone else was on their feet for. And as the game began, some commentary from behind us began. It went something like this. Come on, you pussy motherfuckers. Move the ball. What the fuck is wrong with you, you goddamn pussies? I was frozen, both freezing frozen and stunned frozen. The commentary just kept coming. And if you think what you just heard was bad, believe me, it's heavily censored. But here's the thing. This was my only my second NFL game ever. I had limited knowledge of what to expect, but this was definitely what I had feared. I dated a hardcore Chicago boy in high school whose dad and uncles prided themselves on crawling back to their car after Barrett's games. This guy seemed on par with that. I took my cue from the other folks in our section and stood facing out to the game, body language ignoring him, though how could you shut out his rants that carried over everything else on the field when he spewed them? My face burned in that cold because why did I bring my seven-year-old son to here to be a part of this verbal onslaught? But then my son did what no other adult there had done. He turned, faced the guy, and asked, Could you stop it with all the bad words already? The guy laughed. <laughs> yeah, I'm on Santa's naughty list. Did you get a green pleather coat for Christmas? I thought about asking him. He stopped it for about five minutes, which was something. And then he wasn't back after halftime. 
This is why I have a theory that someone who is a diehard NFL fan with shitty seats might be motivated, especially for the biggest game of the season, to put on a massive leg brace and hobble into the game so that they can sit and shout pussy from the nearest section now available to them. The game had started off well for us. We were ahead 7-0 after the first quarter. The second quarter was a weird one, where there was a fumble that no one on the field reacted to except one Packers player who ran it in for a touchdown at the encouragement of his sideline folks. So we went into halftime down, but came back early in the third with a beautiful punt return by Devin Hester, the kind of play that makes you a sports fan, makes you a believer. We were ahead 14-13, but Aaron Rodgers and Randall Cobb also have a lot of believers up north who they satisfied with another touchdown to make it 14-20. We answered that one to put us back in the narrow lead at 21-20. Our end zone erupted in joy along with the rest of the stadium. Things were looking good in the fourth. The Bears got another touchdown to put us ahead 28-20, but the celebration was short-lived when the Packers responded and closed the lead to 28-27. The Bears had some unsuccessful drives. The Packers had some dramatic first downs. We got down to the last few minutes then the last minute. Mikey and I held each other tightly, hope burning bright in the icy night. And then, with under a minute left, Rogers threw long to an open cob for a 48-yard pass that he easily ran in to put the Packers in the lead. And in our last play of the season, with seconds left and 50,000 breaths drawn in, Cutler threw long to the end zone, and his throw was picked off by the Packers' defense to end the game. The Bears lost. They lost at Soldier Field that night. They weren't going to the wild card game. They weren't going to be in the playoffs. Everyone said the Packers were just going to lose next weekend anyway, which they did. But it wasn't the Bears who even had the chance for future heartbreak. It was all right there surrounding us on our bitterly cold walk back to the car with the masses of people who didn't break out fighting or stumble drunkenly, but just hung our heads in a wave of collective human disappointment moving over the streets, except for the very polite Packers fans among us. By the time Mikey and I reached a coffee shop to warm up and sat facing each other with hot cocos steaming up our faces, my son and I burst into tears when our eyes met. We held hands and we wept and wept. You think a green pleather jacket is sad? It's got nothing on an NFL playoff berth devastatingly gone awry. So that was how I ended up giving Mikey the worst, dumbest Christmas present ever. One that ended in public sobbing. An illusion it was. A hope that did not deliver. But I do still believe you have to take advantage of these moments when they open themselves to you. Go to the Bears game with your superfan child and hope for the best because the opportunity may never arise again. After all, Mikey is now a Packers fan.